Hello and welcome to The Loop, where once again our panel of experts will be providing some practical advice for middle market businesses to help them overcome some of the real challenges they're currently facing. For this episode, we'll be discussing restructuring and in particular how to avoid a formal insolvency process. So our panel of experts are going to talk to us through some of the options and opportunities available with a focus on restructuring and positioning your business for the future. Joining me to untangle the business complexities are three partners from the team at RSM. Gareth Harris, who specialises in restructuring and distressed trading and property companies and having worked at three different banks has a background in restructuring banking. Charlie Jolly, who specialises in the private equity market and is responsible for RSM's private equity strategy. And finally, Damian Webb, who is a restructuring specialist focusing on advising stakeholders on the options available to them and enhancing value. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Well, it's great to have you on the programme. We're going to go through a couple of examples with what we call the loop challenge. We're going to suggest to you two real life scenarios and we'd like you to give us practical advice for navigating through each one. So before we get any further, gentlemen, do you accept the challenge? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Thrilled. (laughs) Fantastic. Famous last words, but let's give it a go anyway. So here's our first scenario. You're the proud owner of a medium-sized manufacturing company in Birmingham. The business has been run by your family for three generations and working in it is a, a bit of a rite of passage for members of your family. Your business has a great reputation and has enjoyed a loyal customer base for many years. But overheads have increased. You, have to, you had to furlough staff through the lockdown and take on some debt in recent times, including the government-backed C-bills loan. You've also recently reforecast and realised with profits down, you're struggling to pay the bank, HMRC, and the backlog of trade creditors that you have. In terms of looking at your next steps then to keep the business going, what should you be doing in this scenario? Gareth, I'm going to come to you first. Probably the first thing that um, you need to do is, is, is don't panic. Um, you know, we recognise these are these are challenging times and, and emotional times, um, but there is practical things you can do around sort of preparing, um, and in particular, preparing information. So, you know, there are key bits of information that you're going to need um, to present to various stakeholders within your business who need to understand the position. So financial information in particular, management accounts, short-term cash flow forecasts, and even sort of longer-term sort of 12-month forecasts, difficult as that is in the current environment. And how much work will that take? How much, um, how much do you need, how much time do you need to spend, Gareth, collecting all of that data? Because it might seem for some uh, like a, quite an arduous task. Yeah, hopefully some of it's fairly readily available. So things like your, your up-to-date management accounts, they're hopefully available. Um, preparing forecasts is a bit of an art, not a science at the moment um, with all the change that's happening. But I, I would say don't make it too complicated make it easy to understand but sufficient detail so you know it will take some effort but um, it's well worthwhile in the current circumstances your stakeholders are going to need that information to be able to help you and how do you advise approaching and speaking to your banks what sort of reaction 
would you expect from your bank? Um, it can it can make people feel nervous, the thought of that, uh, but w- what would it mean potentially for this business? Yeah, I mean, the banks would expect early engagement, um, but they would also expect that you will have some of that information available. So I, I would suggest don't go to them if you haven't got anything at all, um, but they will expect some early engagement. Initially, you will be going through your, your normal um, bank manager or engagement manager, whoever that is. Um, but you need to expect that that relationship may change. So you may find yourselves in the restructuring arm of the bank, which is a slightly different scenario. Um, those people are there really to try and help, but also to manage the bank's risk rather than potentially lending you more money. So it is a slightly different nuance. But I mean, I suppose the key to it is go prepared but do go relatively early. They do not like surprises. Damien, just picking up on Gareth's point there, the, 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 the importance of timing here, of, of speaking sooner than later. Are businesses, uh, similar to this Birmingham business in our scenario, are they doing that or are they failing to speak soon enough? In my, in my view, most fail to do so. I think a lot of it reflects um, individuals' pride, in most cases, you know, they've, they've grown a business, they've created a business, and, and usually they're very good at that. And then they're faced with a set of circumstances they're not used to, and they essentially try, try and muddle through. And therefore, what they te- typically try and do is try, try and apply skills and techniques that they've used growing their business in a scenario which is totally distressed, and actually they haven't got the appropriate skills. So I often find um, they don't engage quick enough, and also they don't look take the right steps at the right point and gareth made that point right at the beginning uh damien that it can be quite an emotional time perhaps even more so for the example of this business because it's a family business handed down through generations and and <laughs> blood is certainly um thicker than water and can maybe cloud judgment in a family company do, do, do you see that as a risk in a scenario like this that's correct it's actually quite a lonely position to be to be a director of a business if you've had the trappings of wealth and success and suddenly you've got issues, the question is, who do you reach out to? You know, many of your friends or your peers may not be in a similar set of circumstances. So often we find that you know, when directors get an opportunity to engage with you in some way or form, they actually appreciate the opportunity to share thoughts and hear ideas because in many cases there aren't, nobody else really understands or has a feeling for what they're going through. Charlie, I'm just going to come to you now. What, what do you think um, matters when it comes to the way a business like this conducts itself, the, the way it approaches its negotiations with various different stakeholders. If this doesn't work, if the conversation um, maybe takes a, a, a negative turn, is there a risk um, that the business may eventually go bust? How, how serious does a company like our Birmingham business have to uh, take this as a potential risk? Well, I think it is a potentially um, serious development. And um, and in this scenario, if the market and the company doesn't adapt, um, then there is a chance that the business could go bust. And I suppose um, it is to, in order to, to safeguard the future of the company and, um, and, the, and the business and its workforce, um, acting early, uh, engaging with stakeholders and where they do feel they're out of their depth, seeking help from an, from an advisor is certainly a, 
the the way to navigate the way uh, to navigate through um, this crisis. I just can I just add a couple of things there, John. I, th- I think the firstly, I think it's a much more likely scenario of going bust if they bury their head in the sand. Um, you know, if if they try and ignore it and muddle through rather than actually putting the hand up and saying I actually have a problem. Um, and the second thing is, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that there are other stakeholders within this business. You know, there, there are other creditors um, who need to be considered and actually who can also help. So, you know, people like HMRC um, and generally what we're seeing in the market at the moment is that stakeholders are looking to be as supportive as possible. Um, wherever they can, they are trying to help. They are deferring payments. So, you know, you know, reach out for help because it is there and, and people do want to help. We, you know, they do understand the scenario that people are going through. Just a final thought on this. Um, how important is obtaining advice from outside, from your trusted advisors, uh, when it comes to a situation like this? Surely if you're uh, a decent board, a well-run family business, you could take care of the restructuring yourselves. The challenge with doing it yourself is that you will be perceived by all the different stakeholders as not being independent. You know, you have a vested interest in the business yourself. So, you know, restructuring professionals can sit, uh, you know, alongside um, and play that independent role. There is, of course, a, a personal aspect to this as well. Um, you're dealing with businesses that are going through uh, a lot of change and worry and concern and that might ultimately lead to uh, a business going out of out of business uh, and of course jobs being lost so what what do you what goes through your mind when you are advising businesses around a restructuring and, and what what really motivates you to to do this line of work in the first place gareth i think do you know do you know what for me it's actually about um that's the one thing that I get a real kick out of in my job is actually at the end of it, you can sit back and say, you know, we were instrumental in saving all those jobs and, and those total, total thousands over, over, you know, over a year, certainly for, for the team generally. Um, and that's the bit that gets me out of bed in the morning in, in reality for doing my job. Thanks, Gareth. So I'm going to just summarise a little bit on um, uh, what you've all been saying, see if it captures at least a, an element uh, of, of the points. Um, whatever happens, this is going to be a difficult process, but it doesn't have to be um, the worst uh, in terms of outcomes. Getting everyone working collaboratively and keeping stakeholders on the same page will really help. Putting together good records and uh, paperwork is a good starting point. You're making that point right at the beginning there, Gareth. Um, Picking up the phone early will help enormously. I think that's a point all three of you have been very keen to make. Would that, do you think, sum up the the key aspects of how to start dealing with this particular process? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Let's go on to our second scenario, Uh, slightly different uh, neck of the woods now, but uh, one equally uh, likely in the current environment. So you're now a private equity backed business that specialises in event management and you've been affected badly over the last five months. I'm not surprised given how few live events there are at the moment. You now realise that profit is going to be affected for a number of seasons, forthcoming uh, event seasons. Your stakeholders also seem to have some 
conflicting priorities, with the bank already talking about needing some external assistance and the private equity house concerned about its returns. Yet all are still broadly convinced about the long-term future for the industry that you're in. So what should you be doing? There's a lot going on here. Charlie, I'm going to come to you first as our private equity expert. Uh, What should the business be doing in the first instance? So in the first instance, um, it, it really comes down to communication again. I think the key difference in this scenario is that there is a private equity investor um, in the stakeholder group. Um, and it's important to realize that that private equity investor is aligned with the management team. You will have um, needed to develop the um, uh, the ability to generate um regular, accurate trading information, and that is the very information that your stakeholders will need. It's important to use that and really over-communicate to both your bank and the private equity firm. The more you you communicate in that way, the more you're going to understand their view of what you're going through, and the more you can see where that differs to yours and where it is similar. I think it's important to note in this particular scenario, um, all of the stakeholders are convinced about the long-term future of the industry. That's a very helpful scenario. uh, And it it feels in this position that therefore there is is a solution there um, that can be worked towards because everyone is is convinced that the business will return to trading and will return to being um, an attractive investment. So Charlie, a bit of a balancing act going on there. And in this scenario, our private equity house uh, is convinced about the long term of the future, as we say, but is also concerned about its returns. How benevolent more broadly is the private equity, the PE industry in situations like this? If you are PE backed, how much help can you expect to get from your backer or can it be tough? So we've been very pleasantly surprised by how supportive the private equity industry have been and how willing the private equity industry has been to invest more capital in the companies it already owns to tide those businesses through um, volatile trading conditions. Now, the bank in this scenario, the other player, is also expressing some concerns um, and suggesting about the need for potentially external assistance. Uh, What happens when the bank becomes more sceptical in a scenario like this? Yeah, I mean, I think the the fact that um, the PE house is there is good. There's generally an expectation um, from the banks in these sorts of scenarios that the private equity house will be putting their hand in their pocket. Um, and that can be persuasive. Um, you know, I, I've sat in that boardroom um, with my banking hat on and um, and being that awkward banker who's who's actually said, look, this doesn't work for me um, and sort of flex your muscles a little bit. Now, you know, that, that's, that is a real realistic scenario that they will, they will look to, you know, use the leverage that they have as the first charge holder. Um, the, ultimately, what they can do is sometimes do do is they instruct external professionals to help them in the scenario. So you can find that there is something called an independent business review, an IBR, um, which can mean sort of people pouring over your forecasts and, and your, your accounts. 
uh, to try and help the bank in this scenario. So, so there is occasions when they do appoint external parties to, to help them. Charlie, just coming back to you, how much time do you think uh, our business realistically has, though, in a in a sector that uh, looks good for the future, but at the in the immediate short term is troubled? The the sector was hit by a, a very immediate shock, um, uh, which no one was prepared for, and by and large, the P P funds have have equity funded uh, those businesses in, in this sector. Um, so they have um, already put more money into the companies. And the focus now will be around when can we restart activity, um, uh, event activity, um, and how can we establish um, a, a virtual business that, that runs alongside so that we keep our customers? And are there other ways that we can keep our customers and uh, and make revenues. It may well feel as a management team that this is entirely your problem um, because you have another equity holder. Um, it, it, you 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 are aware that you're in partnership with that business and the P firm is your partner and you can work on a solution together. And in fact, the more you do that, the more supportive they will be of you. I think it's about making yourself one of the winners in this scenario. You know that there will be winners that come out of this um, and there will be opportunities as well it's not all doom and gloom um, you know there, there will be businesses that struggle and there will be opportunities to pick those up and, and take the best bits from those as well so you know I, I would just encourage the management teams to be proactive um, in looking for those and, and engaging with people. So Gareth is a restructuring ultimately a short-term solution to a situation that a business is facing in circumstances like this, or or is it more of a long-term answer for the same business? You have to address the short-term issues because generally speaking, you're facing some sort of uh, brick wall um, in the not too distant future, i.e. sort of running out of cash, but um, people will only buy into this and, and actually invest and, and provide sort of grace or provide additional funding if they can see the long-term future. Um, so by way of example, we were involved with a, um, an automotive business uh, a few years ago and they approached us with probably three or four months out, but they had 11 different funders. Um, so lots of different stakeholders, lots of different people to talk to and align interests of. Um, but that business is still trading now profitably and successfully. And it goes back to the early engagement point um, even with that number of funders, it is possible to find a solution for the long term. Well, I think that's what's happening at this point in time. Many businesses have reappraised where they're going, uh, what they're doing, and there seems an opportunity to have a clean out restructure and set the business going forward. And they're looking at the, the capital structures, their funding structures, they're taking advantage of the CBIL schemes. So yeah, I think there'll be some clear winners. What you're seeing is effectively five to 10 years of change uh, being condensed into a probably 12, 18 month window. That's essentially what's happening here. And the economy is changing. You look at the high street and retail, you know, what might have taken five, 10 years is really happening in the space of sort of six to 18 months, basically. Well, I'm going to try and summarize now on our second scenario. Um, so, with many stakeholders involved in this project, um, it's going to be complex and challenging to get a, a consensual restructuring 
across the line. But knowing the key individuals at the private equity house and the banks um, is essential, as well as understanding the respective agendas of the key stakeholders. Um, I'd like to end this episode uh, of The Loop with a, a top tip, a piece of advice from each of you. That's that that one piece of advice or uh, nugget of wisdom that you would share with uh, any of the businesses that you're dealing with in a scenario like this, particularly around restructuring. So, Charlie, I'm going to come to you first. What would you say is the, the most important thing that you would want to convey in a situation like this? I think you need to make sure you can generate up-to-date, accurate trading information. Um, if you can do that, then you can engage with all your stakeholders and have all the conversations you'll need to have. And Gareth, what would you say? Uh, the key thing for me is just don't leave it too late. You know, Don't approach us with a week to go to pay the wages. Um, the less time we have, the less options are on the table. And um, you know, restructuring professionals are really not that scary. So um, early engagement. And Damien, last word with you, what would your piece of advice be? I think it's stay current with your data and what's happening in the world at the moment. The world is moving very fast at the moment. So ensure you're up to speed and then look to reach out to, with plans very quickly to advisors and so on. Um, but you know we are in uncertain times and you, you need to ensure your data is at quickly to respond to it. Well, Damien, thank you for that. Gareth, Charlie, uh, thank you both very much indeed as well. I think there is uh, an optimistic line that we are concluding with here as to what businesses can do in a restructuring process. Thank you all for your thoughts and insight on this subject matter area. And for more on restructuring, go to www.rsmuk.com forward slash restructuring. As ever, we are keen to hear your views on our podcast, so please do give us a review and get in touch. And to keep in the loop, subscribe to The Loop and listen to our next episode where we'll be untangling more of today's big business issues. Thanks again to our panel and thank you very much indeed for listening. Listening.